Hello and welcome to CIO UK Leadership Live. I'm Doug Drinkwater, the editor of CIO UK, and today I'm joined by Andy Caddy, who's a group CIO at Pure Gym. Andy, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Doug. Looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. So today we're going to speak about a 30-year career in technology. We're going to look at your new role at Pure Gym, how IT is really facilitating uh, business growth, uh, as well as the talent issues that we're seeing in the market uh, at the moment. And not none the least, of course, another bumpy 12 months ahead. So we'll be looking at how you're preparing uh, for that. And as we have previous leadership lives, we always ask our guests a couple of slightly off the wall questions to find out a bit more about them as individuals. So uh, if we get time, we'll uh, we'll go into that uh, near the end. But for a bit of background, Annie's been working in IT for over 30 years uh, at the likes of Argos, EasyJet and Cable and Wireless. Prior to joining PureGin in June 2022, he was the CDO at the Collective, uh, but was also held Group CIO and Group CTO roles at the likes of Virgin Active and Whitbread as well. So, Andy, I guess my first question to you is very experienced technology leader who've held a number of CIO roles and CTO roles in the past. What's the motivation for you to, to do it all again and, and come back into that hot seat? We really have to take this on a 30-year angle with this every time. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I, I, look, I'm a, I love being able to affect change with technology. That's that's my passion, really, in, in life. And the, the great thing about working in where we do and in, with the technology that we do is that that just gets better and better each year. So the capability and being able to do more and affect more change increases each year. It's, we're a long way from solving all of our problems, whether that's, you know, how you buy shopping or how you procure services or where you get your, your sort of healthcare from. There's a lot of problems still need to be solved in the world and technologies at the forefront, all that and, and underlies all of them. So for me, um, why do I want to go and do this all again at another great company? It's because there's still lots of, lots of problems to solve and it gets more interesting each year. You know, I, I wish I was 30 again because it's never been easier and never been better to affect change. Technology for technology's sake is less and less important. It's more about technology for affecting change that's really important. Yeah. And actually later on, I want to get into the a bit about how you yourself have had to develop as a leader as we see this IT change from being it's a bit of a cliche, perhaps, but being a back office order taker to something that's actually differentiating the business. I'd be keen to explore how that's um, made you uh, adapt as, as a leader. But just for now, obviously, you're what, you know, five to six months in the role. What's your kind of core remit and responsibilities? What, what do you oversee? So, yeah, so just to give a quite a quick outline. So Pure Gym is uh, what was three years ago was was the leading UK gym operator. Um, and since then has been um, acquiring and growing in other countries. So we're now across six countries and becoming a group. And that's a, that's a big difference to being a really great UK operator to now thinking about how do we operate in Europe? How do we operate with franchises? How do we operate in the United States? Um, that's a different approach. So, so I, I think in my role are, is two parts, really. One is how do we prepare ourselves organizationally as a group function um, and working with my other group colleagues to really um, step up the gears for Pure Gym to be able to do what it does, but do it everywhere. That's, and that's a, that's a big change. Lee takes a lot of thought about process and cost and understanding in different markets how you're going to operate. And then, and then the second side of it is in terms of 
digital and product. So as we start to look at what we offer in those different territories, how is that going to change over the next five years? Um, today, gym operators, you go to a gym and you you work out that's pretty similar to what you were doing 20 years ago. I would bet some quite as considerable money that in five years time, it will be different in as much as it'll be an augmented journey where you're taking digital content and other products. And we need to figure out where we sit within that. We need to understand how is that experience going to change for our members, our customers. Um, and so I'm here to help with that, our product development in terms of digital, how we manage our all of those those customer journeys um, across all the different touch points for Pure Gym. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I'll come on in a moment to the year ahead and what you're planning, because I think scale is, is very much part of that. But um, in those early days, I'm always fascinated, you know, that kind of 90 to 100 day plan, what was that for you? I'm not a by the book kind of 90 day. You see lots of people with their 90 day plans, 100 day plans. I sort of save that for the interview process. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that the important things for me in those early days um, are as much as possible to get out to the business. So really understanding what is it your your business does, what's its service. So I spent time going around all our gyms, talking to our, our general managers in the gyms, going to the different countries to understand the difference between those things. Working then with my stakeholders, so the people who want service in IT. So what is it they want? Where are their current frustrations? And really trying to get the external view, you know, to be the person who understands how other people are looking in. Um, I think my next bit was always, and my advice to anybody in these roles is always be best friends with your finance function. If if ever there is one place where you can tell what is going on, uh, it's your finance team who as it turned out, are also going through the growing pains that I'm going through with becoming a group function and understanding how cost is allocated. So having someone with a sympathetic ear to say, okay, I, w- I want to help do this for technology is, is great. And then finally, not least obviously, is, is then spending time with my team. And I try and meet as many as I can. And I've got a team of about 120 here. Um, so trying to get around them, um, spending as much time as I can to really get a sense of how things work today um, because you never want to go in all guns blazing but you want to understand where are the where, where are the things that you know you can help where are the things that are obvious problems what are the the sort of obstacles in the future as we now look out and try and marry together those conversations so now what have my stakeholders told me what have finance told me I cost and I spend and then what are my team capable of and that helps you sort of map out and I'd say the only thing I'm probably um a little bit uh, prescriptive about is then trying to get to sort of six month point and getting a getting some sort of strategy and I don't mean that in a grandiose way in as much as something I can sit down with my stakeholders my team my vendors and suppliers and partners and say here this is what pure gym does and this is how you use technology and this is where you fit into it I think that's that's an important milestone for me and I'm, I'm literally just in the middle of writing that at the moment Yes, I was going to ask, actually, we're, we're recording this uh, at the end of November, and I think you joined in, in June. So you must be in the process of almost handing that over to the organisation, right? Yeah, and, and the, the obvious point for me, having joined in that sort of calendar moment, is can I start first week in January with the sort of this is where, where I think we're going to go? And it, sometimes it's nice to have these calendar moments that line up, these milestones where you can say, hey, it's a new year, everyone's come back from Christmas, let's look forward um, for me, that's a useful time frame for me to to say, here's where I think we need to go. Because we've got a really exciting journey ahead of us, you know, and it's it's, it's nice when you land at a place that has the attributes that we have because we can we can sell a great story into our team and our teams and our suppliers. Yes, yeah. Actually, that group story, that scale is interesting. I think mean, it's always that challenge, isn't it, between 
I guess, localization and, and centralization and, and what that entails. We've had a few stories of that uh, about recently. But um, in terms of the mission ahead, then expanding into new markets after, and I believe, you know, receiving some funding recently, I believe you've doubled in growth after, or have ambitions rather, of doubling in growth over the next four years. Is that kind of, is that almost inspiring your own strategy and your own mission in the year ahead? That's you're trying to deliver what the organization is trying to achieve. Yeah, I think we're in we're in transition, as I said on the group side. So, so how do we stabilize, get ourselves in a pl- place where we are really understanding how that's going to operate? And I, what I like about Pure Gym, look, I worked at Virgin Active, same sector, different product, sort of premium end, yeah, com- com- brilliant in many ways, but complex as well. And I used to look across with all of my EasyJet sort of training and look at uh, and look at the way Pure Gym works and think, wow, that's pretty smart the fact they've got a very good product they know exactly what they're doing they know how to make that work everywhere mm-hmm. uh, now i'm here it's, it's kind of how to do that on steroids right so take a a model and by that i mean how do you operate the gym how do you absolutely understand every aspect of a customer interaction how do you optimize acquisition what can you offer in terms of of incremental products how can you service that in a low resource way? there's lots of things in here that are just technology problems it's yeah. great you know f- fantastic um, I think we have a a team here, both in my own team and in our and our leader, general leadership team, who really believe in technology as a as a way to enable low cost. So I see our our challenge here is doing all of those things in a smart way. So so adding that, and I would I would look at things like our revenue. We we do yeah proper revenue management of our prices, which which other gyms don't do, uh, and and we are really smart about that because. Gym pricing needs to adapt to local markets and it needs to be relevant in, in Stockport just as it is in Fulham. You know, we need to make sure these pricings work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being responsive to, to our customers. So we really, we, we do a lot of work around data and looking at um, how how's our, how do our customers interact with us? What are their behaviors? How do we segment them? So we can so we can be more, more responsive to them. You know, we have this great model of, you know, join now, low cost, no no fees, and and cancel when you like mm-hmm. and it's um you know that's great but it means that people generally speaking stay less than they would if it's on longer contracts we hope to keep them longer at the tenure of a, of a of a member is very important to us so if we can find ways to still inspire and motivate them while they're there then they'll they'll stay longer um that puts the onus on us to keep keep the, them using the product the way that we we think is good for them yeah so i think that side of it's good the growth side is is really interesting this year we've we've been opening a gym every week. Next year we'll open a gym every four days. I mean, it's it's you know a staggering um, throughput and production line of how do you roll out gyms ac- across the world. Um, that that puts us in a pretty unique position for me. I think that there's a world as I'm sure we'll talk about. I'm quite driven by the sort of idea of fitness and wellness. That's why I'm back in this industry. So I, I love this industry. It's a great industry, but. Um, in a world where we may have five or 600 gyms in the UK, we will hopefully be the sort of default choice for where you start your fitness journey. If you're trying to think about where to go, you'll say, well, is there a pure gym near me? Because that's we should have that kind of penetration. In, in that in that world, I think we've got, there's a different responsibility on us then. You know, how do you make sure people enter their fitness journey and stay motivated and and are inspired to, to, to live a life like that? You know that's that, that's that's a that's an interesting point for us to kind of to think about. But growth in itself brings brings challenge. You know, how do you grow smartly? How do you grow in a low cost way? Because we're always thinking it from, from that point of view. How do you make sure you have good products that you can use everywhere? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
And out of interest, I appreciate you're still relatively uh, early into your role, and also your Virgin Active days uh, were a few years ago now. But how did, how did the two experiences tally? How when you came back into this industry, how did it kind of? Because you must have com- almost compared and contrast things with how they were before. Yeah, look, I think um, the commonalities are both great brands. Mm-hmm. Virgin is a is a great brand as a group, and it attracts people who love the idea of it and it, it is very much every I've, I've visited many virgin companies and they all feel very similar in that respect um and the the fitness sector att- attracts a great percentage of its workforce who like fitness and therefore like making other people fit and well and healthy so there is an element of it's a nice sector because um people are trying to do good and i always say and i've probably said this many times uh, over the last few months if we all do our job well people get healthier and that's a what, what, what an opportunity that is, what privileges that is to work in that place. Um, the differences would be um, the complexity of the product. So we have a very, at Pure Gym, we're very focused about what we're trying to do. Um, Virgin was about trying to create destination places. So, mm-hmm. so it's a different challenge. The consequence of it was um, it was hard to truly pull together a single view of the customer because on the one hand, You've got someone attending a gym, but then they're also in a crash and then they're buying stuff in a in a cafe and then they're attending swim lessons. It's you know, it's challenging. And the and people will hearing this will say, but that sounds easy. In a world where um the technology providers into this space are not leading edge providers. So if you're going to write systems and platforms to do swim training. There's probably only one or two of them in the country that do that, and, and they won't be the best pieces of technology you've ever seen. So you're, you're not dealing with really advanced companies here, and when you're trying to bolt all these things together to give you some views, it's a bit of a challenge. Pure Gym is the other end of that, where we have you know, very it's very simple. We we have a high volume, large amounts of members who we try and then really understand, and, and that's our potential for the future there is to be much more relevant and contextualised for them and be able to offer them advice whilst they're on their journey to keep them keep them happy and inspired yeah absolutely um i mean you've spoken a bit about you know just uh, the relevance to the customer you know helping essentially technology helping to shape products and services that you you take to those customers as well um to what degree would you say now that actually it is much more on the front foot than perhaps in the past it's much more shaping those products and services than it perhaps was previously in, in previous worlds that you've been in yeah it's a journey isn't it i, I think there's i feel like it's coming of age uh, mm-hmm. in the last 10 years really uh, um there was a time in my early days in leadership and certainly in my days of i've been in it a long time as you were very kindly mentioned uh um it was about the wiring and the boxes you know it's about doing the the, the stuff behind the scenes and making stuff happen and it, i think in those worlds your your leadership and your presence in a company's organization is about translation of complex stuff and you're you're the person who understands the the three letter acronyms and you're the person who understands how code works or how packets of data travel along a wire so so it's it's a you know there's only so much perceived business value in it you're there because you need to be there because there are big expensive contracts and um high high risk systems i think now we fast forward and say actually if you take that stuff away and um the the fundamentals can just be bought in as a service what you're really talking about is it leadership that is being thoughtful and observant about what the business needs and can have sensible conversations and i i think we 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 are still going through it i don't think we're 100 there i think when we 
when I meet and talk with people, the community you you know you nurture and others that I that I contribute to, you know the smart ones, uh, and you you have great conversations. But every now and then you bump into people who are still want to talk about data centers, still want to talk about you know um, d- detailed stuff about networking, or they want to talk about and you just think, but well, we've moved on from that, have we not? I mean that's how I feel about it. Anyway, I don't know how others do, but I feel like the the, the conversation that you need to be having, which is how do we make our products better and how do we serve our customers better. Uh, yeah, we've got a great IT leadership now has a great potential to have a, a seat at the table, genuinely have a seat at the table, not just because you have to have them there, mm-hmm. but you, they, they, they needed to be there. So I think, I think it's, as I said, I think it's a great time to be in technology. You know, the idea of being able to spin up stuff to be able to try things quickly and cheaply to show you can be agile and responsive, you can answer a business question in, in days or weeks, not months or years. Yeah, these are, this is a great opportunity for us all. Yeah, no, absolutely. And actually, interestingly, I, I will relay an anecdote which uh, still amuses me to this day is that, you know, most of the IT leaders and and, and uh, executives have moved on to becoming uh, business leaders, even even use that cliche, I guess. But some uh, one CEO told me that there, there are still people that like to quote stroke the tin, uh, which I guess you have to move on from at, at some point. Um, I mean, and I guess playing devil's advocate slightly, you know, you're in that kind of low cost gym model. There are others in that space and i guess does that put pressure in a sense on you and your teams and your partners to to really deliver that so what aspect for the customers that differentiation because because as you say you know customers are fairly fickle they will perhaps you know change quite frequently if they could and the price is right but i know for example you know jasper mcintosh who's at the gym group has been doing things you know through covid for example to pause payments for people that can't afford uh, gym plans you know during the uh, during lockdowns um also using um you know lidar to see how busy busy gyms are so that's i guess that's stuff where you're really on the front foot per your earlier comments you're looking at how you use technology to make better customer experiences to keep them longer stickier customers i guess you call that in the kind of uh, marketing world but does that put more pressure on you to kind of it, given the business model that you have that technology has to be it can't just be keeping the lights on although that's a core component it has to be actually deliver delivering additional value too i i think it's i think it's a, a needed pressure i don't think it's a pressure i feel in terms of stress i think it's a so i would call it a healthy tension Mm-hmm. Um, in a world where um, we are we are low cost and th- therefore we we are very conscious about every penny we spend, but also the the, the subtlety of our, our pricing, then we are smart about that. You know, something I learned at EasyJet and in, in years of you know, eight years of working there and and just looking after every penny like it was your own was absolutely part of the culture there. And it was you know it was obscene to be sent to, to be or it seemed to be obscene to be wasting money on stuff that didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And everyone in technology there um, knew why they were there, and they knew they knew the value they they added. I think in, in Pure Gym, I see a similar kind of commercial focus, which I absolutely welcome. You know, I, I hate waste. I absolutely hate wasting money. Uh, I hate I hate IT projects. I hate reading about. You know, when guys like you write things about cancelled public sector projects for some massive ERP implementation, it you know it makes me cry inside because you yeah. think are we still doing that? You know, it's, are we still getting ripped off by? Yes. By, by vendors doing this so you know it, for me it's um it's welcome i think in, in low cost generally speaking but in gyms in particular there is the sense that you could it's easy to open a gym right I could, you could go and rent a, rent a space and yeah. and get maybe 1500 people and and maybe you're just about make a profit mm-hmm. it's, it's 
slightly tougher to then open a second and a third, and it's really hard to open 10. Yeah. Um, the, the ones that do that well are through and through operators. They're people who run gyms. I mean, that's the, this industry is full of people who have, that's all they've ever done. Mm-hmm. It's quite rare to see external talent brought in and running big chains. And we're, you know, t- take, take away our sector. We are a well-run private equity backed business Mm-hmm. making very healthy profits with a with a, a um you know, good investment and capital in the bank so the fact that we're doing what we're doing is 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 even better i mean the the, the gym group and, and i know i know jasper is a great guy um they are it's always good to have i always i always think it's good to have your your two competing brands you know it's, it's east jet and ryanair we had we had you know premier in and travel lodge so um it's good to have people keeping you on your feet and keeping each other keeping each other competitive um, I and we we are a great admirer of them. We we think where we've really lead is in just the quality of of our offering. I think when people join Pure Gym, they genuinely are surprised at what they what they get for their money, which is really good. And I think the increasingly our our understanding of them and what they're needed, and and we've done a lot of work over COVID to add digital content and capability and training plans, lots of stuff in there, which we want to absolutely do more of because. Fitness and wellness isn't just about turning up to a gym twice a week. It's it's about your sleep and your mental health and your nutrition and how much you know your hydration. It's all sorts of things. Um, I, I think where we are unique and where, why I enjoy my job so much is because we've got lots of very smart people around our around our table from all different industries. You know, uh, Humphrey, our CEO, is an ex McKinsey consultant, mm-hmm. ran Wiggle for for, for you know made them very successful. And has brought in a ton of expertise and then has recruited brilliantly in, in putting the team around the table. That's not common. That's not common in, in our space. So I think we're pretty uniquely placed to succeed. Yeah. Actually, that's a good uh, segue into, into talent and recruitment. And I want to come on to perhaps some of the own challenges that you're having in a, in a pretty um, volatile market at the moment. But before I do that, um, in terms of your own development, you obviously, as I mentioned right at the start of this, you've held group CIO, group CTO, CDO roles. How would you say you kind of personally keep yourself relevant, learning, um, adapting to what an organisation requires? I, I take the point that that can differ per organisation, reporting line, etc. But what's your kind of secret source, if you like? How are you continually evolving over time? I think just be committed to it. I, I, I always say I'm a life learner. I think it's, you're never you're never too old to to reflect on how you what you do and what you want to get out of life. Um, I take I, I take objective setting and 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 personal development incredibly seriously with my own team and I, and they're, therefore also with myself. So um, being committed to that sort of reflection, you know, making sure you. So I, at the beginning of the year, I always write down kind of where I'm at. I spend spend time journaling that. I don't, I'm not a I don't write diaries. I don't journal during the year, but the beginning of the year, I write down where I'm at, and I and the, and the following year, I always like to review that because I think it's good to to see progress, both in personal and, and professional life. Mm-hmm. I think um, constantly questioning, um, you know, constantly looking for new areas to uh, find learning. So looking outside of our own sector, looking at others. So trying to, I, I spend a lot of time networking and going and talking to people because I think you can learn tons, you know, from a good network um, as long as you are conscious about it. So, so if you've got a great network, that's fine, and you can say to people, you know, do you know someone who can who can install Microsoft Dynamics? That's brilliant. But actually, go and spend an hour with them. Go and say meet for coffee. Go and go and go and be humble and say, actually, tell me how you do your job because I, I bet there's something I can learn from you. I think those are good. And I and I also um, I really enjoy um, 
I've enjoyed in the past. I'm looking forward to doing it in this job, learning from um, the startup industry. So I think you can, I've, when, when I was at Virgin Active, we spent a lot of time talking to and helping and mentoring startups. And I, I'm sort of going to try and do the same thing here because there's a lot in the, going on in this space and there's a lot of problems to solve. You know, health, health and wellness has, has a lot of problems to solve. Um, do you know what? You, you're meeting people who are, um, I remember meeting someone who was on his third startup. He was like 22 and just sitting there and listening and thinking, wow, I just, I never did that when I was 22. You, you are so far ahead of, of where I was. Tell me about how that happened with you. Cause I think it's, you know, it's really important to, to understand that. And especially as you get older and you are now, a, I am now a generation away from some of the people we're employing. Mm-hmm. It's really important to stay close to that because, you know, I don't want my views to reflect um, the years I was growing up, I want them to reflect today. You know, I want them to reflect the sorts of people we want in the organisation right now. Yeah, it's that diversity of thought, isn't it? I guess yep. which is your yep. own. And, and you, that's something you're looking to replicate then at uh, Pure Gym. You're looking to establish those kind of partnerships or mentors. yeah, I think so. I think I think the interesting stuff, a lot of the interesting stuff in this space, yeah, happens in the, in that. On, on, and, and and look, there's there's a there's an awful lot of stuff that gets thrown against the wall to see what sticks in in this space. But it's interesting. I am sort of continually frustrated by the fact we haven't solved big problems you know i think you, you know, what's the what's the latest innovation in fitness for everyday people i know a, a slightly better apple watch yeah. you know, it's, it's really mm-hmm. seven or eight years ago when i first started in virgin virgin active it was it was you know step tracking oh great we're all going to do step tracking actually change people's lives it sort of runs out of steam because it because the so what happens you, you do ten thousand steps and so what you know um we still are away from something absolutely giving you actionable things to do, you know, based on what you ate yesterday and your diary today and what you're doing next week, here's what you should do right now. That That isn't there. Uh, and I think we've got a part to play in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then talent as a whole, how are you finding, well, obviously certainly I'm hearing quite a lot, hugely uh, tough, you know, difficult market at the moment in terms of rising salaries, obviously, the younger generations you could say have different values of what work constitutes and what, what kind of organizations that they're looking to to work for where are you seeing your kind of biggest gaps at the moment in terms of skill set and what are you doing to address that um there's a i think it has been an interesting it's been a roller coaster year so i think if you started this year you would say you'd hear lots of stories about trying to get hold of engineering talent and how it, it, people's getting snapped up and you know, or getting counter-offered and it was a yeah, really common story so yeah, you know it was a common you'd go to an event and meet a load of people and that's the number one thing people are talking about is you know what what was the what was the salary differential you had to put up with you know 20 grand 30 grand 40 grand it was it was, it was nuts and completely unsustainable uh i think now we're seeing with some of the changes in the in the industry a cooling off of that and, and, I, and I, I i have two or three kind of recruitment um colleagues that i will go out and talk to and just ask for their opinion sometimes and i, and I hear from them generally speaking that it's um it has called off a bit so i think this but there is still been definitely a salary rise and with the general cost of living crisis and the general where we are as a, a society there there is no doubt we're, we're up against it but i think what that leads you to is being really certain about not just the salary you offer but what's the what's the package and, and i don't mean that in, in financial terms i mean what is it there they're signing up for when they join Pure Gym. So we're working at the moment on, on how, how we can properly sell that in because we have a great story. We have a great story about how we are, the flexibility of it, what, what you get with, with your membership, the, the as I say, the investment in your personal learning, all, all of that sort of stuff. I think that then becomes 
the center of attention of, of what you're doing. A salary is a salary and either you'll think that's okay or not, but all that other stuff now becomes really important. They're, they're, they're the differentiators of why you'd work for us and not someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And out of interest on the kind of skill sets for your your kind of struggling at the moment, what, is that developers? Is that project managers? Where where do you kind of see the the biggest gaps? I mean, still a, li- a little bit around around engineering and DevOps. I, I think a, a, a bit around BI as well. I think those it's hard to keep people in the sort of data space for any length of time. That's still a very and will continue to be a very hot market, and therefore people are you know are hard to come by, and then even harder to keep. Because it's you know there's inevitably another great offer around the corner. As I say, engineers, we're okay. We've we've moved to fully remote for our engineering team, so we have a fully remote team that works well. That was done in consultation with the team. They, that's what they wanted. Um, we have to work hard now to make sure that they have opportunities to get together. They they have you know days when we can bring them together. We give them chances to socialize or get together as individual teams, um, and make sure they still feel part of the business. I think that's the that's the challenge in that world. We are still UK based. We haven't explored going outside of the outside of these shores yet. But um, it's once you go fully remote, you can't, you can't just do that without consciously thinking about the impact and how you will counter that. Because it's you know it's it's great. I still think we in many ways, but I still think we are a long way short of a fully working, optimized environment for people to work remotely. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's something I've heard of people are still struggling with remote, and in particular hybrid actually is, is is challenging. I think in terms of motivating staff, but also that semblance of culture. How do you retain that or build that if you're starting out as a bit of a new organisation? How do you look after people's well being uh, as well? And and kind of because I think in the office you get signs, don't you, on a very basic human level if people are struggling yeah, uh, or, or not. But um, yeah. and then and I guess my the last of my serious questions before the, the quick fire ones at the end. Um, let's imagine that we're speaking again uh, one year from from now. What would you have hoped to have achieved? I um, I mean, there's some very here and now things to solve, like there always are when you when you move into a, a new role. We're trying to standardize uh, on a number of different platforms across our estate so that we can expand quickly. Um, we have a, a, a fast-growing franchise today in in the Middle East, um, which is threatens very in a very positive way to grow very quickly. So we have to be ready for that, um, and we will take on a new country every year. So so that's going to very quickly um, get going. And I have a, a basically a window of a year to really sort things out. So my my main aim for next year is to get that sorted to the point where a really um, well run and efficient group function providing platforms out. We're rebaselining our our, um, our website, so we're sort of doing a, a version of that, which is great. Um, and actually, um, sort of working on our sort of next generation app. So we have a great app today. Um, in terms of how that provides content and what that provides for our members, we're thinking about where does that go next. And I think there's, there's lots of opportunity for us to be more engaging. So that that would all be a win if we'd sort of sorted those out, and then really strategically have sorted out some of our thinking for the year after so we need to think about as i said digital content products so what do i offer you if you if you say actually i don't i don't want to be a pure gym member anymore is there is there a product we can offer that lets you keep going at home mm-hmm. um that is you know works and keeps you sort of um, engaged with a pure gym brand what else can we do outside of the gym we're a big organization now we have we have uh the largest set of personal trainers in the country so I I don't know where you live, Doug, but if you told me your postcode, I'm pretty sure there'd be a pure gym PT within two miles. Mm-hmm. That then leads you to the question of, well, why do I go to a gym? Why don't I just use one of those guys? 
you know, th- those sorts of things sound incredibly exciting to me because the idea of fitness on demand would be would be in a great place to provide that and not many other people would. Absolutely. Actually, on that uh, remarker, and I uh, will say there is a PGM near me, uh, and having broken my collarbone uh, relatively recently, I haven't. I have been look, had previously looked at signing up, but uh, haven't done recently for obvious reasons. The one thing that's actually um, that uh, detracts me from doing so is it's like a fishbowl environment where, from the outside of the street, you can see everybody working out, which is an instant turn off for myself at least. But, is it? Well, um, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure if you go in and talk to them, uh, I'm sure they can convince you that there's some great places to work out in that gym. Yeah, that's true. That's a fair point. And then, um, and I guess the, the as always with the leadership live uh, in UK, we ask for a couple of slightly different questions at the end uh, to close. So the first question, and these are quick fire. So, what was your dream job growing up? Yeah, it's, it's sort of a bit of a cliche. I wanted to be, I wanted to be an astronaut, or I wanted to work in something to do. I thought space was cool. Mm-hmm. My um, my father uh, worked for uh, in the Air Force and the Ministry of Defence, doing mm-hmm. some pretty top secret stuff with uh, back back in the day of, of monitoring satellites. And he used to come home with stuff that fascinated me, and, and consequently sort of bred a, a love of all of that. And and I uh, I started out wanting to do wanting to do that. Um, and it's something I still have a bit of a passion for now as so we still you know I, I have kids and and they've all been made to look in telescopes up at planets and all that kind of stuff it's I just think it's a a, a really interesting area because it pushes us as a, as a species to kind of really think about big questions and try and solve big technology problems you know getting somebody to Mars is a is a huge thing and I'm fascinated by the whole sort of the new space race if you like what's going on at the moment uh is is it's very interesting. So, so yeah, that was my that was my first. I I probably gave that up when I didn't get the physics A level grade that I needed to, mm-hmm. uh, and um, ended up not quite not quite making it. But um, yeah, that was that was where I was starting out. Brilliant. And then um, finally, um, biggest achievement. I'll ask you for two actually. One that's personal and one that's professional. Um, I think you know professionally. I mean, I've been lucky to do lots of things. I think um, I probably hark back to, if I was to say something I can point to almost every day, well, not every day, certainly often that I've had an input to. Um, so when I was at EasyJet, my team um, and a whole bunch of us solved the allocated seating thing. So, so when I joined EasyJet, one of the big customer service hurdles was the scrum to get on the plane. You would, you would very proudly talk to people about what you've done that you worked at EasyJet. And then they would say, yeah, but that scrum to get on the plane's a bit rubbish and you stare at your feet rather embarrassed. Um, being allowed uh, to provide the solutions for that, go out and solve that. And I, in fact, I was on the first flight where we allocated a seat. I've still got the ticket around here somewhere. Um, every time I get on EZ flight and I see, you know, seat 4A, I think, wow, there's a bit of me in that. I, I, it's nice to have that. It's nice to have, have one of those. So that was, a, and it was... Um, a brilliant project as a company because it was our operations team. It was trying stuff out physically in airports. It was understanding the the mathematics of of loading people on. It was there's some technical algorithm stuff. There was a you know website and a UI to solve. So it was a whole bunch of stuff coming together. Sort of a, a classic EasyJet project of everyone has to has to stand shoulder to shoulder to make this work. That would be my that would be my professional one. Personal one, um, uh, probably. Uh, I when I was when I turned forty, I decided that I would try and learn piano. Well, there's a piano behind me here, uh, and um, I was not very good. But I sat down and sort of persevered with it, and and I always had the aim that I would 
sit down at one of the pianos in one of the London uh, train stations and play publicly because I was I thought wow there's a there's a big hurdle to have the confidence to do that and I did that about six or seven years ago and and I and I it was you know for me it's like it's nice to enter a completely new field and it means to me music I, I find music fascinating I'm a massive music fan. Um, but to conquer that thing of going, oh, actually, I, I'm still not very good, by the way. Yeah. But it's still being able to be good enough to just stand up and play publicly. That was a yeah, it was a big moment. Uh, brilliant. And there's a different kind of fear, isn't there, associated with that? I mean, public speaking uh, brings some fear, but uh, but playing a piano or any instrument. Oh, I'd much front... rather talk in front of a, a few hundred people <laughs> than play piano in front of a few hundred. Absolutely, yeah. Brilliant. Um, Andy, that's uh, a real pleasure for, for you to join us today at uh, the CI UK Leadership Live. So really enjoy the conversation. Thanks, thanks so much for joining me. No, I really appreciate it, Doug. Likewise here. Fantastic. And of course, thanks to you viewers for tuning in today. Hope you've got some interesting nuggets there to take back into your day jobs. That's all for me for now, but thanks. Goodbye. And we'll see you soon.